Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. And we've been covering the case, the double, and actually, when you think about it, it's a triple murder down in San Antonio, Texas, of Savannah Soto and Matthew Gira and, and the unborn, an unborn child, which is a total tragedy. But behind this tragedy, there is also some criminality here. And a lot of the reporting on it is sort of ignoring the obvious thing, uh, the obvious criminality behind this. And that doesn't excuse anyone from committing this crime. This is a heinous, horrific, horrific crime. However, let's pay attention to what's really going on. And not just in San Antonio, Texas, in our nation, you know, this to to pretend to be naive that you don't know this is about the drug business and just to act like this is just some random horrific crime. No, it's all about the drug business. All right. And let's not ignore that. And as much as we feel the pain of both of these families, the Soto family and the Gira family, we also say they knew all about this. They cannot act like they don't know what this is about. They know exactly what this is about. So with that in mind, you're going to enter the off-the-cuff zone. Real, true crime from a police perspective. So enter the police off-the-cuff zone. There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the car stopped in town at the ranch, Michael We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Folks, we're back and we're going to get right back into this case. But for, before I do, I'm going to introduce to you retired NYPD sergeant, professor, man of great reason. <laughs> and it's professor and sergeant Mike Geary from Albertus Magnus College in Connecticut. Mike, welcome to the show. Billy, thank you for having me on. Good afternoon and good afternoon to everyone who's tuning in. I think everyone likes to see you on the screen, Mike. They recognize you as a man of reason, and I appreciate you also. So, Mike, let's get right into this case. So, you know, we could give a little synopsis of it, and really basically what it is, it's a horrible, horrible case. Savannah Soto, 18 years old, nine full, a full nine months pregnant, goes missing on December 22nd, and... I would imagine that right away the family knew something was terribly wrong because I, I think they, I believe they tried to report her missing to a, a different police jurisdiction than, than San Antonio. And then they also tried to report her and Matthew Gira missing to the San Antonio police. Initially, they wouldn't, didn't want to take a report because, you know, they're adults are 18 years of old age and, and over. But then I think it was clear there was some 
other things involved, and we would call some special category missing persons type thing. And then they discover the body, the bodies, on the 26th of December. So where they were before that, that's a mystery to the true crime community. However, I definitely know that the police know this. So this is a little bit of a baffling, some of the facts, it's not baffling to me because I know what it takes to solve a case like this. Mike, you want to put your two cents in here? Yeah, Billy, they, uh, she went missing uh, on the day that she was supposed to be induced. She was way past her uh, due date. And so she went with her, uh, with Matthew to the hospital to be induced. And, um, and then the family's trying to contact her and she wouldn't respond. And so they were very nervous. They went to the hospital. She wasn't there. Then they realized something had gone on. They, the police were called. And as you say, it wasn't special circumstances right away because they're over 18. You know, they're, they're adults. They're considered adults. There was no known threats that the family knew about. Um, and they expected to her to be in the care of a doctor. But then they realized pretty soon that uh, something was very wrong when she was not at any hospital. And so there was a slight delay up front, just a little delay up front. But uh, they were found a couple days later. As you said, we don't know where they were shot because we don't have the case folder, but we know where they ended up in the apartment complex. Um, Colin, Collins apartment complex in, I think, north, the north part of uh, San Antonio. And they were there for uh, several days, uh, probably 72 hours at least. And um, um, Savannah was in the front seat and they found Matthew uh, in the in the back seat, and uh, that's where the investigation began. And we, they, uh, there's uh, a lot of questions as to you know motive, who would want to do this, and what kind of you know hit this was. This wasn't one of those things where somebody's walking down the street and they get hit by lightning. They're in the wrong place at the wrong time. There's uh, a lot to this case that uh, uh, people have to deal with right now. The families and friends and loved ones of uh, Savannah and Matthew. You know, Mike, let me just mention something that also takes the cat out of the bag right away, all right? Matthew Gears got, he's been arrested five times in the past two years. Um, one was for a firearm. There's, he has two other weapons charges. It's not clear from the rap sheet uh, what the other weapons were. He's got an arrest for assaulting uh, Savannah. Right. His, his uh, common-law wife or his ba would-be baby's mother. And he has seven charges in five different incidents, and he was on probation. Why am I asking that? Some people, when they hear us say that, specifically cops, they're going, what does it have to do with anything? Well, a, lot. A, great John, a great John Jay College professor once said to me, people's past is a good indication of what they're going to do in the future. So your rap sheet is a good indication of where you're living, where you're going, what you're doing, the life you are leading, and especially a gun collar. And it's not a good sign. And I'm going to connect this also. Last year, in, excuse me, 2022, Savannah Soto's 15-year-old brother was shot to death. Mm -hmm. You think this family business is both families are involved in this? So when you hear them say, oh, they have no idea what's going they know exactly what's going on. You know, a 15-year-old doesn't get shot to death on the street unless he's playing in that arena. 
He's playing in the drug arena. And, you know, that is that important to this investigation? You bet it is. And I'm going to get into that later on. But that, that's the same people, potentially, that were involved. And the uh, Savannah's brother's name was Ethan. Ethan. 15 years old. 15 yeah. years old in 2022. He was shot to death. So when the family say, and again, I understand they're in tremendous mourning, grief, but they can't like cry the crocodile tears and act like they didn't know what the hell was going on. They knew exactly what was going on. They knew their family. Look, even the mother of Savannah Soto said that Matthew Gira was a bad guy. So let's please, let's let's not insult them and tell this was from the uh, the vigil last night. And friends are gathered right now to pay tribute to Matthew Guerra. He and his pregnant girlfriend, Savannah Soto, were found dead in a car last week after both were missing for several days. So far, no arrests have been made in their murders. Ken's Five's Megan Reyna joins us live from Woodlawn Lake Park, where the vigil is taking place. Megan. Well, Deborah, family and friends are just finishing setting up this vigil that's set to start any minute now. Of course, it's been almost a week since the tragic discovery of Matthew Guerra, Savannah Soto, and their unborn baby boy, Fabian. Earlier, I was able to speak with Matthew's parents, his father and stepmother, who described him as an energetic man, young man who was looking forward to being a father. They believe that him becoming a father was going to lead to some good change for his life. Um, and of course, this family is, is grieving right now, but they're also searching for justice. We do want to show you again that video, that surveillance video that San Antonio police have released of two persons. Of Mike, I can guarantee you, and I know this from doing investigations, the guy getting out of that Silverado is already identified. Guaranteed oh, yeah, yeah. he's ID'd. And guaranteed that's a pretty good shot. I bet you they could send this video to the FBI, to Quantico, and pick the plate up on that car. Yeah. This is pretty clear video. And they have it enhanced. Boom, you got the you got the license plate. So they know, they know who the players are. So you may people may ask, oh, and why haven't they made an arrest yet? Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down because they want to make sure they don't just make an arrest, but they have charges that will stick. Because after all, you hear the term. This is a capital murder case. Mike, you want to explain to the audience what a capital murder case is? Yeah, capital murder case is a case is most heinous kinds of crime. And we've seen this also in the uh, Koberger case, where during the commission of a felony, like in the Koberger case, it was burglary. He, he committed four homicides. Here, the same thing. You've got uh, a, n a number of people, special circumstances type of homicide. Uh, during the course of a felony, you commit the homicides or you commit more than a single homicide, like a double homicide. And I think in Texas, uh, an unborn baby that's full term may still be considered a human <laughs> for uh, a homicide charge. So therefore, you have, in essence, a, a triple uh, homicide. And therefore, it's possible under Texas law, this may be prosecuted as a capital case where they're looking to uh, impose the death penalty. So they're going to go very slow and they're going because you don't want to, you know, this person knows they're being hunted. Uh, he's hiding out and, um, you know, they're uh, they've got law enforcement from the state, the counties, the towns, uh, San Antonio, the city. Everybody's looking for this guy. But um, you're right. With, with a little bit of FBI help, they know who this person is. They do not want to release the name right now. 
but uh, they will in the future. But that's what uh, a capital case is. It's a special homicide case that it where because of uh, the special circumstances in the case, it's the highest level of homicide that you can have. Absolutely. Let's go back to the video here of interest. Now, police have not made any arrests in this case. And of course, both the family here and police urging anyone with any information about who these people could be or about any information relating to these murders to give them a call. Again, this is a capital murder investigation and you can make an anonymous tip to police. We have that number for you on our website, kins5.com. But again, we are here at the vigil where it's set to start any minute to honor the life of Matthew Gela, a, a young man who's expected to become a father. Just truly a tragic situation here in San Antonio. We'll continue to be out here all evening reporting live from the West Side. So, Mike, again, I, I don't want to make light of this what, whatsoever because a young man and uh, his, his girlfriend who was nine months pregnant is dead now. But... Let's call this investigation uh, what it is. It, it's a, it's a this was a drug hit, right? This was absolutely one hundred percent a drug hit. And when people pretend, they're like, "Oh my God!" Like this wasn't John Q. Citizen going to church with his wife on a Sunday afternoon. All right, this was people playing in the drug trade. You play with matches, you get burned. You know, and I'm not going to say. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. This is what the hell it is. And the drug trade is a nasty, nasty business. And it smells of the drug trade just for the heinous nature of this triple this triple homicide. Yeah, Billy, uh, this reminds me, as we were talking about this yesterday and before going to uh, the program today, it reminds me, and I'm sure it reminds you, of your time on patrol. I remember being in the 4-6 as a patrolman, being a sergeant at 3-0. And, you know, the drug trade is unforgiving. You have, if you, if you uh, steal drugs, you don't pay off what you're supposed to pay off. You try to invade somebody else's territory. You can end up with a with lead poisoning to the brain very quickly. And we see this all the time. It is unforgiving. And people don't retire from this lifestyle. It's addictive. It's all cash. And for a young man, uh, with no other prospects, it's uh, enticing and it's uh, rewarding, as you can see from that picture, with Matthew's left hand holding up uh, a brick, huge brick size uh, uh, thing of dollars that may be, who knows, depending on the denominations, that might be the, the equivalent of what a, a kilo of cocaine is going to be worth. So, um, and Miss Soto, unfortunately, is sitting there right in the front. She understands what time it is too. Um, you see this all across the nation in, in cities, and we saw it in New York City. You get these young girls who are come from poor families, and these guys have all the cash. They buy the girls the jewelry. They buy the girls the dresses, and they entice the girls into the lifestyle. And, you know, everyone knew in both families what Matthew did because also we have to look at uh, Ethan Soto, her younger brother, who was killed. He wasn't killed in a, in, a, in, a, in a chance robbery. He was enticed uh, into, a, into a meeting where he was assassinated. And that came after he was thought to have stolen narcotics from someone else. It's a very unforgiving business. You, um, as they say in the Bronx in the 4-6, you uh, get rich quick or die trying. And, and that's, that's what this is. Nothing can sugarcoat this.
No, absolutely not. As we continue to follow yesterday's tragic in, in the search for missing mother to be Savannah Soto, Savannah and her boyfriend were both found dead late Tuesday afternoon. Tonight, the medical examiner's office confirming one of the bodies belonging to 22 year old Matthew Guerra. We did reach out to SAPD today for new updates on this case, and all they would tell us is that the investigation remains ongoing. So here's what we know right now as well. Savannah was last seen on Friday at her apartment complex off of Grissom Road in Leon Valley. She was reported missing on Saturday when she didn't show up to be induced at a local hospital. Savannah's family held a vigil on Christmas Day, pleading for police and the public to help find her. Then on Tuesday, Savannah's sister-in-law, Joni Wassel, received a tip on the location of the car Savannah was last seen in. I just want to stop for one second. That's but very important. The sister received a tip. So who, who gave her that tip? Who right. told her? Who called her? That's right. very important. Because what investigators want to know is who called you and we want to talk to them. How did they find out? Maybe that chain of communication will lead right to the horse's mm -hmm. mouth and right, right to people that know exactly what occurred. And that's why, you know, when they say, oh, did you call all the 911 calls? Well, this is undoubtedly one of the 911 calls, but she called the sister instead. And that's right. how they were notified. That's how the police began the investigation. When she arrived at that car's location, she found two bodies inside with gunshot wounds. Also telling us the bodies were that of Savannah and her 22-year-old boyfriend, Matthew. The medical examiner has yet to confirm her identity or the cause of death, but police have told us that the woman's unborn baby sadly also died. SAPD now investigating it as a capital murder case. The News 4i team has learned exclusive new details about this case that potentially help explain why police have been so vague about what type of investigation they have on their hands. The I-team's Mariah Medina has all these details for us tonight. Mariah? That's right. Law enforcement sources tell me that San Antonio police didn't find a firearm or the cell phone of Savannah Soto's boyfriend, Matthew Guetta, in the car that the pair were found in Tuesday afternoon. Sources also sharing that Guetta's body was found in the back seat of the vehicle while Soto was in the front passenger seat with a child carrier on her lap. I talked to Guetta's family who tell me everything that they did to find the expectant parents and frustrations with that process. But once it was like the 2, 2.30 p.m. mark, we started panicking. Panic and uh, nonstop calling and racing home, racing over there. and Calling police. Gabriel and Raquel Guerra say they called 911 when they sensed their son and his girlfriend were in trouble. The husband and wife who live in Bear County initially tried to file missing persons reports with the Bear County Sheriff's Office. Soto's family, who live in San Antonio, tried to file with San Antonio police. But because Guerra and Soto lived in Leon Valley, the report had to be taken by Leon Valley police. Well, I was told that they were trying to get three agencies, uh, all the information they had, and combine them into one report. As this was happening, Gabriel says he was racing to his son's apartment, kicking down the door after he didn't get an answer, fearing the worst. The candle. The, uh, the candle was on. Um... That was another. So why, you know, I'll, I want to ask a uh... A devil's advocate question. Why was he fearing the worst? And I'll tell you why. Because he knows what they're involved in. That's not, you know, if she's only been, she's been missing for a short period of time, why were they fearing the worst? And, you know, again, everyone's pretending that, you know, the elephant in the room isn't in the room or there's no, or there's no elephant, you know? And, uh, 
that's I want to bring that to everyone's attention. Why did they feel the worst, Mike? Billy, they they knew. I mean, you you think about it. If yeah, a young young husband, father to be, is going with his uh, spouse, the mother of his child, to the hospital, and she's going to be induced, you might not be able to take phone calls for a few hours, okay? Because there's going to be, you know, they'll be in the emergency room and things like that. But you know, the idea, and so you can understand there could be a little lapse of communication in, in our communication-like world. But uh, fearing the worst, it wasn't like I'm just thinking, oh, I wonder what's going on with the baby. No. Um, you know, I feel bad because Mr. Guerra, he he knew what his son was doing. He knew what his son's life was all about. He probably couldn't help stop it because Guerra was probably in over his head. But he knew, he knew, he was hoping for the best. But he knew he was preparing himself for the worst at very in the very beginning and going to that that um, his residence, you know, kicking in the door. You know, he knows what time it is. He he knew. He knew. He knew in his Absolutely. heart what happened. Absolutely, he did. They had a candle on. Gabriel says the lit candle and Savannah's diaper bag being left behind told them something was wrong. The house, he says, showing no signs of a struggle. Gabriel says he asked the Leon Valley police detective assigned to the case if they could track his son's cell phone location. He says a detective told him it was unlikely a judge would grant a warrant for that because there weren't exigent circumstances. Well, boom, now there is. There's undoubtedly a search warrant for um, Savannah's cell phone and for Matthew's cell phone. No doubt that's going to be, when they get that information back, that's going to be a treasure trove of information that potentially also could track their location, the locations, because we believe now, and I'll play a little more of this, that they were not killed at the location where they were found. Right. They were killed at another location and transported by the the fat guy, potentially, that uh, the unidentified fat guy, uh, to that location. So all of those things are part of this investigation. We'll get into that a little bit more later. He said they're adults and they want to disappear. They can disappear. And again, I reminded them, you know, the, the baby's overdue. It's been overdue. They missed a due date. And uh, to me, that's a life-threatening, uh, you know, it's... it's there should have been more urgency. We reached out to the Leon Valley detective assigned to the missing persons case to see if a warrant was ever sought. The detective replied that he was instructed by the Leon Valley chief of police to direct questions about the investigation to San Antonio police. He stated that he was not authorized to make any further comments. I never knew a pain like this existed. You know, you, you hear about a, a parent losing a child and you're like, man, I can't imagine what they're going through. It's, it's exactly how it is. You, know, you can't imagine it. The couple expected to become first time grandparents this holiday season, now mourning a son, a grandson, and their would-be grandson's mother. I just hope um, we can get to the bottom of this and justice be served because I just can't fathom how anybody can do that to a pregnant woman. I, 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 I just can't get that out of my head. While Soto's murder would be considered capital murder under Texas law because she was pregnant, San Antonio police shared a synopsis which lists Guerra Soto as well as her unborn son as victims, apparently signaling law enforcement's belief that both Guerra and Soto were murdered. For the News for I team, I'm Mariah Medina. So, uh, Mike, I want to get back into the investigation because a lot of people are already, uh, you know, basically we're a 24-hour news uh, nation and the media ex especially gets all kinds of in, uh, 
you know, impatient when there's yeah. not an arrest immediately. Mm -hmm. And I just want to talk about some of the investigative resources that the police have done and should be doing. And a lot of the things in an investigation are interconnected that you can't do A till you do B and C, and you can't do D until you do A, B, and C, and you can't do F, but till it's actually an investigative checklist. And as all of the investigative uh, tools that you use start coming forward, let's talk about response to the scene. Apparently, the police were directed to the scene by a 911 caller who called, actually called the family, the Soto family, and then they called the police. But they had already been a missing person report filed. Right. So response to the scene, then they discover or a civilian discovered the two bodies in the car. Now what they set up a crime scene because everything inside that car is evidence and potentially the evidence in that car can lead to who the shooter is. And let's not rule out DNA. Sure. And one of the things I also want to just put forth, and many people that are listening don't know this, if there were spent shells, which I'm hearing apparently there were spent shells inside that car, those are traceable, all right? They're traceable to the gun that fired them. And could that gun have been used in another shooting? Yes, and how does that help us? Well, it helps us to connect who did that shooting. Did we make an arrest or who was shot during that? And it right. connects the dots to it. And the technology that we use for that is something called brass catcher, which actually studies the extraction marks on the spent shell and puts it together. So I just wanted to put that out there. Good. Yeah, Billy, you got uh, people don't realize, you know, it's, you, people heard of the rifling, you know, on the, on the lead bullets and stuff like that. But also the brass, um, how it's ejected and also the hammer hit. Uh, can also be uh, very slightly different in, in different uh, firearms. And um, all of these come into play. And if you said, if you get some sort of lead on that gun being used in, in any other crimes, and I, this is where I think the narcotics unit is going to be uh, hugely important for in terms of intelligence, because you, you, you know, you've got all kinds of people who may be suspects, but really when you narrow it down as to who wanted someone dead, you know, there's very few people in this world who would want him dead. Okay, there might be a half a dozen, three or four. Who are they? They've been arrested, and I bet they've been arrested for narcotics violations in the past. They may have, and if they have um, some sort of information on what kind of gun that person carries, a nickname is so important, a street name is so important to identify these people. And if there's um, any sort of DNA that they could recover from the car, I know the, the heavyset guy, and I think it was a Chevy, that Chevy pickup truck, he had like a white towel. He had a towel and then he had the, like the white shirt, T-shirt. He was wiping stuff down. So he has an idea of, of what he's doing. But you hope that there may be a stray fingerprint somewhere, even half of a fingerprint. Maybe you're not going to get like 18 different points of comparison, but you're going to get a few, help narrow it down. But there is so much information that is uh, uh, locked in that car. And the proper handling of that is going to go a long way to solving this case. You know, Mike, let's also talk about law enforcement partnerships. Mm -hmm. Right away, if I was running this investigation, I would immediately reach out to the DEA. That's the Drug Enforcement Task Force. Mm -hmm. And because they have information, drug dealing is localized, right? So mm -hmm. the drug dealers that sell in this area, everyone knows, law enforcement knows who they are, right? They know who the Mr. Big is. 
they know who's selling. It's like when you see one of those gang or, or, or organization triangles and at the mm -hmm. top it's so-and-so and it comes down like that and all the players of the organization are listed. Law enforcement knows this and all these people are identified. The Drug Enforcement Administration can be a huge help, not just with their expertise, but with their resources. They're a federal agency, so that means they get big bucks. So they could help the San Antonio police tremendously. The narcotics division of the San Antonio police, hugely important. The gang division, gangs and narcotics, right. they're, right. they're, they're married. They're together. They do the same work. Gangs sell drugs. Drug dealers are in gangs. Let's bring on narcotics. Let's bring on the gang unit. Let's bring on the Drug Enforcement Task Force. I guarantee you right now, the police, the Drug Enforcement Task Force, they have an idea who did this, but they're not ready to make an arrest. And so when all the people say, oh, the police aren't doing it, you hear this in every damn investigation mm -hmm. cover. And that is so far from the truth. People are impatient. Uh, and unfortunately, you, you get a lot of talking heads <laughs> and stuff. And even major, uh, God bless you, major uh, news, news outlets like, say, maybe CNN, Fox, and things like that, they start discussing with people, oh, is this a cold case? Or why aren't they doing something? Is Are they lackadaisical in their response? No, no, they're not. We looked at the Koberger case, it was six weeks. That's, light, that's lightning fast. And people don't realize, even just like uh, in this case, a, a cell phone dump, uh, so they could find out cell tower information, um, that's going to take um, a, a month to two months to get that information. You just can't get it. It's not like ABC's Law and Order where they ask for it. And then like by the next commercial, you know, five minutes later, they've got the dump and they've got all the information. No, you got to get all that information and then you got to analyze that information. And that's going to take a while. So, so I expect that they, if they know who the person is, I'm sure they do. But at this point, uh, that person is in hiding, I'm sure. And they'll be looking for him, but they're not going to ID him until they are ready. And that is, and they want to make sure that the day they pick this person up, that they've already got their, you know, T's crossed, their I's dotted, and they've they've done it under the jurisdiction of the local DA saying, "Go now, you got enough, go get them." Phoebe Beach, good if DA, DEA and gang task force sees what's going on in San Antonio. Maybe they'll clean some of the crap up. You know, Phoebe, unfortunately, this whole nation, the inner city towns and the suburbs, they all have this. It's not just common to San Antonio. It's common to every inner city, every suburb has a drug problem, you know, and it, it really exacerbates itself when we see the violence that's connected with the drug trade. And that's what we saw here. Tremendous violence connected with this drug trade. People that have no soul. That uh, someone is able to identify the individuals that are seen in this video. The San Antonio Police Department putting out a plea for the public's help to find the two people seen in new video released today. Detectives believe they could be involved in Savannah Soto and Matthew Guerra's deaths. Detectives uh, are hopeful that surveillance video will lead to the events leading up to their death. Police believe Savannah and Matthew were already dead when this video was taken. They think the two people seen in the footage wiped the car down to get rid of fingerprints before ditching it with Savannah and Matthew's bodies inside. Detectives are also combing through social media 
and cell phone records to determine the last communications with the victims. The relationship between these persons of interest and victims is still unclear. Bear County District Attorney Joe Gonzalez says when the people responsible are captured, the nature of the crime can result in additional charges because of the young couple's unborn son, Fabian. Uh, under Texas law, uh, that qualifies an unborn child during any period of gestation is a person uh, under the Texas Penal Code for consideration in deciding uh, whether or not uh, to calculate, for example, more than one person. District Attorney Gonzalez also hoping these people are found so his office can bring justice for the victims and their families. That we're going to do everything uh, humanly possible to hold this individual or individuals accountable. Stephanie Esquivel, News 4, San Antonio. So, again, we, we this is the only real semi-new thing we found out is that the shooting occurred at another location, and the body, the bodies were dumped at a location. Not dumped; they were kept in the car, and the car was transported to this location. And they think potentially that video that we're all seeing, person of interest, uh, that that could be the shooter, or at least someone who's involved in moving this car from one location to another. So that's, you know, I'm going to put it back up on the screen. That's so important. And as I said, there's a good chance that there's a good chance that this uh this shooter or this car, this license plate is identified. So these people potentially could be brought in when the police are ready to move on to that level of the investigation, but they may not be ready yet. And again, as I said, they may know who these people are, they may know who the players are. I spoke earlier about the brother of uh, Savannah Soto mm -hmm. being shot and killed in 2022. One of the first things I would do as an investigator, I'd get that case folder, pull that up on my computer screen and read it from cover to cover and find out who the players are in there. Because as I said, drug dealing is local. This could be some of the same players involved in that case. And I'm not saying the actual shooting had anything to do with her brother's homicide. But the players may be the same. Guess what? Some of the players involved in that case may be on parole. What do we know about people that are on parole? Pull their ass in. They can't refuse to come in. Will they help you? That remains to be seen. But pull them off the street. Start talking to them. Where were you? What do you know about this? And potentially, guess what? M most parolees don't want to go back into the big house. So the police have a little bit of, of leverage over these parolees. and. Pull them out of that case folder. Yeah, Billy, and um, you and I were also talking, is it possible that uh, this shooting was maybe revenge because Ethan Soto was killed and then um, his, uh, back in 2022, uh, Nathaniel <laughs> Rivas is uh, serving time, but during the trial, the Soto family actually in the middle of court attacked uh, the defendant, Rivas. And so perhaps this may be, uh, friends and allies of Rivas getting back at Soto and her and Guerra, and uh, they did a double hit on them. Um, it's possible. There's, you know, you got, you can't, you know, these sorts of things. There's these grudges are held, and there's got to be payback, and payback is bad. She she might have been the intended target, or perhaps Matthew actually was the intended target, and they had to kill her because you can't have any sort of witness to the crime survive. 
So uh, she may have been in the wrong place at the wrong time with him when he was actually the target, or it could be that uh, she might've been the target of both of them at the same time. It's going to be hard to tell, but um, they, the two homicides may be connected and you're right. The, it's only been, you know, 18 months, uh, 22 months perhaps uh, since uh, Ethan was killed. And these people are, many of them still may be out on the street and free. And maybe they're not in prison or maybe they're out on parole, but uh, they're still probably local. Absolutely. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, real crime stories. If you like real crime, true crime from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. And if you're not subscribed to us, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell, and share it out to your family, friends, and everyone you know. Bring them into the Police Off the Cuff family. If you want to contribute to us financially, we have a Patreon with three different levels, and we also have a YouTube channel membership with count them five different levels, and you could contribute to the police off the puff, off the puff, or oh, I'm losing my mind, off the cuff podcast. And we'd, we'd love to have you guys here. And, and uh, this is real crime from an experienced perspective. We've done this work before, you know, we've been out there. We've heard shots fired. Most of us have been shot at. So we know, we know what the gunpowder smells like, you know, not that that's a, a, uh, you know, something that you want to aspire to that haven't gotten shot at, but we're still here. Anyway, you know, some of the also, when I talk about the investigative resources, we spoke about the victimology on Matthew Gira. Of course, that's studying his whole background. We already mentioned this criminal history, um, victimology on Savannah Soto. And one of the things we found out, of course, from checking her victimology and her family is that her brother was shot to death in 2022. That's important. That's very important. The video canvas in this, so, so, so important. Did they know the route that the vehicle took, the vehicle belonging to Matthew Gila? Do they know that yet? We don't know it, but do they potentially know that? They could potentially know that. Very important, because why? Because when the vehicle travels a certain way, now they have more video they can collect and possibly identify the shooter or shooter's that, that did this. The other thing is um, interviews of people in the complex. When did you first notice the car there? Again, go back to video. The car pulling up. When was it? Par who parked it there? Did you see, On video, do we have video of the person getting out of that car after he dropped the car off there? And of course, the forensic processing of the vehicle is tremendously important. Did the shot come from inside the car? Very important. How do we tell that? Well, spent shells should be inside the car, right? Also, perhaps no broken glass. If they shot from outside and the windows were closed, there would have to be broken glass. But it didn't appear from the angles of the car that I saw that there was any broken glass. Again, these are things that the police are keeping sort of secret. They're not putting it out there. And that's by design. So, um, all of these things. And then we mentioned earlier about the cell phones. Just so, so, so important. And then if they get um, if they get potential names of those involved, they can get search warrants on their cell phones before they even arrest them. If they have enough to present to a judge that says, look, we think this guy and the guys are involved in this triple homicide. And this is the information we have. And the judge potentially could sign a search warrant 
for the cell phone, and that would be a tremendous investigative resource. Mike. Yeah, Billy, this is the stuff that uh, you don't see on TV because it's not exciting. You know, when you see these dramas on TV, they're bringing the person in into the, as you know, Phil would say, in the box, get them in the box in the trick bag, and you're, you're going at them in a uh, interrogation. But all of this technical stuff, um, you know, cell phones are fabulous because it tells you who's calling you, when you've called them, what time, how many, what time it was, how long you're on the phone with them. Um, it will, it's also a locator because if you're driving down, say, uh, down the FDR drive and you're going from one cell tower to another while you're talking to somebody, they know whether or not you went south or where you were going north, depending on the timing of the cell tower switching. All of that is so important. It's, it's, uh, it's not sexy. It never makes it on the TV, but it is absolutely essential. And like you say, if you can get uh, some of the players' names, bring them in, get search warrants for their cell phones. And uh, as you also say, shake out there and shake all the trees, throw a little money out there, offer a reward. Uh, the fact that, you know, a little child was killed also, an unborn child was killed, that may uh, spark some interest where maybe <laughs> only one person killed, God bless you, that you might not have it. So, um, you know, because that child is so perfectly innocent. So all of these little things that, all these little technical things that people don't really think about, but uh, you know, they can make or break your case because they're irrefutable. They are totally, totally um, accurate. And that you can't, you know, you can't get out of the fact that your cell phone was a particular place at a particular time doing a particular activity. It's your cell phone. You had to be there. Uh, that is so important in making a, airtight case, if you can, against the shooter. Absolutely. Crime uh, Analysis 101 Detective John. OSI narcotics and homicide are more likely than working together to a huge takedown simultaneously to make multiple arrests. John, thank you for that comment. You're absolutely right. And one of the things that we love, like Mike used the term before, we love this on the NYPD. You know, let's put some pressure on the community. Let's get some people to come forward. How do we do that? Shake the tree. Shut down the narcotics business in that location. Start locking people up. Start doing a rule book type thing. Uh, zero tolerance. Loitering for narcotics. All that type of thing. You're going to get to the top guy. And if the top guy is not the shooter, he'll give up the his underlings in order to take the, the pressure off the street, which is costing him money. So that's another thing. And when you make these arrests for narcotics, every single guy gets debriefed, guy or girl. You debrief them. What do you know about the shooting? What would you hear? You know, even better, what would you hear? Because then that doesn't make them swear to anything. Oh, this is what I heard. This is what they're saying out on the street. Sometimes that's exactly how you get the picture of what occurred by someone saying, oh, this is what they're saying. I don't know where they got that from, but this is what they're right. saying. Right. Right. You know, I, I used to have a detective that worked with me. When he would do an interview, uh, he'd say, uh, you ever been arrested before? And the guy would say, no. And he goes, well, I have a, your rap sheet here, and you've been arrested 15 times. Uh, well, this one over here, what did they say you did? He would never say, he would never say, what did you do? He'd always give them the out. What, what did they say you did? What did the mean cops say you did, you know? And right. uh, I just thought that that was a little bit funny. So, yeah, we shake the tree. We go out there. We make arrests, narcotics, you know, 
and every person the, the other thing that's a huge resource and we've spoken about this on at other times and uh is the is jail and prison let's go into the jails and the prison the gang units do you think they they, they knew about this 10 minutes after it happened let's get the investigators from the local jail to start shaking the tree in the jail start mm -hmm. talking to the inmates start talking to the gangbangers you got good information maybe we can work something out for you if it's that good it's better be very good and i was just thinking as you're mentioning it since ethan was 15 at the time check out your your um your perennial juvenile offenders um go through juvenile uh arrests and see what they were arrested for locations and times and how much do they have on them and who do they work for who are their associates who are giving the drugs and um you know, uh, having them return the money at the end of the day. So all of these things can help paint that picture, that broad picture of what was going on, as you say, the purpology. And so, um, so that you can better understand the dynamics of what led to it. And, you know, from, was this planned 30 days in advance? Was this something, uh, a spontaneous argument over cash? But uh, all these things have to be looked into. You're right. Absolutely. Sharon Reynolds, what I find astounding is these youngsters flaunt guns and money, drugs on social media. That's attracting trouble to your door. I'm sure these their dealers don't like the attraction. No, they don't like the attention because when their bottom line, their money, their cash gets impacted, believe me, they'll give, out their, they'll give their mother up. There is no loyalty to anyone in the drug trade. PD also released this surveillance video. And are seeking information i don't think we can watch this enough times but i but i certainly think that someone has identified these people that were in that car and as i said it's it's very good video so the potential that they know who actually owns this car is very good two persons of interest police say the footage was taken from a nearby location where savannah and matthew's bodies were found it captures a dark colored pickup truck slowly pulling up to matthew's silver kia optima but what's more shocking, police say one of the persons of interest can be seen driving his car. About 15 seconds into the video, a person can be seen getting out of the pickup, walking to the door of the gray Kia to talk with the person in the driver's seat before going back into the pickup, then both vehicles drive away. Police say right now it's unclear what link the two have to Savannah and Matthew and say they couldn't provide more details pending the investigation. Earlier when Savannah and Matthew's bodies were discovered in the ground. You know, I, I commented on this photo and I know everyone's seen it, but, you know, uh, Matthew's holding that seven-inch brick or wad of cash. Right. I mean, most professions don't do that. You know, if you're a gym teacher, you're a fireman, you're a cop, you're a construction worker, you're not holding a seven or eight or ten-inch wad of cash. That's indicative of the drug trade. And it's sort of a showing off type thing too. And the jewelry, the bling, all of that stuff yeah. is part of the gang signs. You see his right hand. Right. It's all, it's all indicative of, of the of the drug trade. Great Kia. Police believe their bodies were in Matthew's car for about three or four days. And at the time, police said it was unclear. You know, some of you guys have asked, how did they know that the cars were there? The, excuse me, the bodies were there for three or four days. Well, that... That's the science of investigation. Uh, there's something called decomposition. There's something called lividity. Mm -hmm. There's something called uh, putrefaction. There's something called rigor mortis. All of those things give a timestamp of how long the bodies have been there.
coagulated blood, all of those things. In the same vein, you also people asked, these were contact wounds. And I'm going to describe to you what a contact wound is. A contact wound means that the gun was held up against the person's head because it leaves gunshot residue on the skin. And if it's if the barrel is held right against the head, it will actually leave a tattoo. And you'll hear tattooing, the, the imprint of the barrel left on the person's head. So these were close contact wounds. So that's apparently what occurred here. And it tells a lot about the shooter. What does it tell? This was an execution. That's what it tells. Right. Billy, they are, uh, this is part of living that life. You get the cash, you get the bling, you get the jewelry, you get the girls, you get, you know, all of that little bit of uh, glamour. But um, you're not going to live long because, you know, that's the life you've signed up for. And you, he, I'm sure Gara knows people who have been shot. And, uh, you know, this isn't his first brush with death. And that's that's the life. And that's the life he was leading. Uh, and he's trying to get rich quick. And, but or die trying and uh sadly uh you know that that innocent baby was taken absolutely thomas uh, guerrero there's a picture of him holding up a big plastic bag full of white rock yeah i mean look it we know what time it is all of us here you wouldn't be listening if you thought i was going to uh glance over this and act like oh my god how did this occur you know we're telling we're telling you the truth here <laughs> excuse me, how we think this occurred. And right. it's part of the drug trade. It's absolutely 100% part of the trade. And I, I, you know, I can't apologize for the other channels that don't call this what it is. It was a drug hit. Weapons were found inside the vehicle. But just days after the tragic discovery, according to reports from local NBC affiliate News for San Antonio, they claim their source is familiar with the investigation, say police did not find a weapon or even a cell phone of Savannah's boyfriend, Matthew, and the vehicle where they were found. And more alarming, the local news station says Matthew's body was discovered in the back seat, while Savannah's body was discovered in the front passenger seat with a child carrier on her lap. While police confirm Matthew died from a contact gunshot wound, his manner of death is still undetermined. When we talk about them. Well, that's not true now. That's This was a couple of days ago. His manner of death is, is homicide, all right? And just to educate the community here, manner of death is homicide, suicide, accidental, natural, or there's one other one that I've been hearing lately wasn't always listed, undetermined, you know? So five ways, manner of death. Homicide, suicide, accidental, natural, and uh undetermined and initially they thought this could have been a murder suicide and that was just them not really realizing what the hell had occurred i think that had they really looked on the scene into the backgrounds of both victims they may have not have jumped to that potential uh murder suicide thing so uh I think that that was just a, a mistake. Family grew worried when she didn't show up to her doctor's appointment and reported her missing. In a Facebook post, Savannah's concerned mother wrote, quote, I'm worried about her safety. She's with her boyfriend who is no good. Prayer for my baby girl. Authorities issued a coordinated law enforcement adult rescue team. Does missing, that not she tell never us showed up to the hospital where she was set to be induced. That the mother says she's with her boyfriend who's no good. So... What does that tell us? Does that tell us that the mother knows what time it is too? And she knows what arena they're playing in, what venue they're playing in, 
you know, the life they have chosen. And maybe her daughter didn't choose this life, but she's hanging out with someone that chose that life. And guess what? There's something called peripheral damage. And that's what she was. She was peripheral damage to this drug dealing piece of shit that shot her and had no, no conscience that he shot an 18 year old girl, nine months pregnant. That so, but again, we've got to point to everyone involved here. Everyone knew what time it was. Everyone knew what game they were in. Mike. Yeah, Billy, this reminds me so much of the Bronx as a patrolman and as a sergeant in 3 uh, you get You get these, young, these guys, they're young, they've got cash. And uh, when you're in an area where there's not a lot of, of decent paying jobs, you know, being a drug dealer is a very lucrative, enticing, attractive thing. And then the girls get, you know, they, they pay attention to the, to the pretty girls. They buy them things with cash because they, they're the guys that will walk around with hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of cash in their pocket. And nobody else is doing that. And so they're enticing these girls at age 13, 14, 15. And these girls fall for that. And even uh, I remember in the 3-0, um, there's like an underground economy because all of that cash is going to be spent. And so even the stores, they're benefiting from it. Uh, the delicatessens, all these restaurants, everything, everybody's benefiting from the narcotics trade. But um, this is the kind of lifestyle that is very seductive, both for the guys involved and also for the young girls who get into it because they just feel like they're special and it's cash and it's uh, a lot more cash than they've ever seen their parents have than their mother or father have, and maybe they don't even have jobs, yet they've got the bling, they've got the jewelry, they've got the cars, they've got the, the fingernails, the hair done, they've got the clothing. And hey, they Mike, you guys used to come up to us and say, hey, Sarge, I make way more money than you. I had a 16-year-old. Yeah, but I'm going to live that. longer than you. Yeah. You're going to die before you're 25. And I had a 16-year-old told, told me and Augie, you remember Augie, uh, told me, he goes, I make more money than you do, officers. And I'm like, you probably do, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's not a, a. There's no longevity to that career at all. You know, no. there's nothing. No longevity. These father told Fox San Antonio they discovered Savannah's overnight baby bag for the hospital that she didn't take with her, throwing him into immediate panic. In light of the young couple's body being discovered, it's been reported Matthew Guerra was on probation for assaulting Savannah last year on Christmas. The charge had Matthew on probation, which was scheduled to end in June 2024. But he picked up new charges unrelated to the assault that extended his probation through February 2025. Matthew's family told local news reporters they don't believe he's responsible for the heinous crime. But was it possible there was trouble in paradise between the two? According to forensic death investigator Joseph Scott Morgan, at this time, he doesn't believe we can jump to that conclusion. So, well, that, that was he's reporting from uh, a few days ago, and now everything that he said is irrelevant because it's even though he, I love the guy, I think he's brilliant, but what he said, he, they were going with a few days ago that this was potentially a uh, murder suicide. So right. we know that that's not what it was. They keep going back to this photo, Wait, of course, print. because it's so, so they're important. going down all of these avenues in this particular case. While Chief McManus said in an earlier press conference they believe the bodies were in Matthew's vehicle for three or four days, that answer still begs more questions. Why would, why would the individuals in this community not have stopped to check the car out? And again, this begs another question here when it comes to uh, assessment of biological findings and decompositional findings, because he's, he's talking about three days. 
is he saying that the car was there for three days or is he saying that they were deceased in the car for three days? Because that's, that's a big difference. Because if you're saying deceased in the car for three days, that opens up the door that this may have taken place somewhere else and the car was essentially deposited there. Well, that's in fact what happened. We right. know that now. We didn't know that back a few days ago. But we absolutely know that the murder took place in another location and the car with the two bodies inside uh, was deposited there. Uh, forensically, the inside of that car is going to tell us a great deal of, uh, of information about who the shooter is, what he did. That potentially could be, and we'll, we this we would never rule out, DNA on the seat, you know, belonging that could potentially identify the shooter. So, I mean, when you think of, uh, you know, hypothesizing and theorizing is what my detectives used to love to do. Um, it doesn't make that much sense that, well, why did Matthew get into the back seat and why did Savannah stay in the front passenger seat? Well, if someone sticks a gun in your face, you're going to do whatever they tell you to do. You know, if they said, get the hell out of the front seat, get in the back seat, you're going to do what they told you. And then it turns out they were basically executed anyway. Mike? Yeah, Billy, you know, looking at it, and you, as you said, there's no um, broke, doesn't seem to be any broken glass. So that show, goes to show you that perhaps they were, it was a prearranged meeting that they had met someone. The person may have walked over to the car. They roll down the window to talk. The gun comes out, points it at his head, and tells him to get in the back seat, stick the gun right up against his skin, tattooing him, killing him, and then immediately turning a slightly and shooting um, um, Savannah in the back of the head from perhaps the back of the car. And so you have now have two dead people. Um, now that car can't be just left there. They have to, the pertinent shooter now has to drive, get in the car, drive it away. The other person who the shooter was with, maybe in that black uh, pickup truck, they drive to a predetermined location. And they, as you see, the guy with the black car, the pickup truck got there first, and the uh, Kia comes in second. They confer. And they realize, okay, now we're going to just dump the body somewhere. But they dumped it in a place probably where these things are not all that uncommon. And therefore, people are going to mind their business. And if they see a car there for a day or two and it looks a little suspicious, they may be very you know, reluctant to call the police. And so uh, the, the, the shooters may be very, very, you know, counting on that to give them time before that body, those bodies are found. Really sad. Absolutely. This is a video of, uh, from um, the trial of the shooters of um, Ethan Soto. Uh, and this is baffling also, but do we, one of the reasons we speak about this is because I would want to know, if I was the investigator on this case, every single player involved in that case. Tragic death in her family. Savannah's 15-year-old brother, Ethan Soto, was shot and killed last year in 2022. Two teens were arrested for his murder shortly after. And in October, during a court hearing for one of the suspects, video captured inside the courtroom showed a massive brawl breakout between members of Savannah's family and the suspect's family. As Savannah's family faces yet another horrific tragedy, soon time will tell and reveal who was responsible. Is there any is there anyone out there that would have this much anger and this much hatred? All right, we we know that's that's an academic point of right. view, you know. And again, Joseph Scott Morgan, 
I love the guy. I think he's brilliant, but he's not a cop. And, you know, some, yeah, drug dealers, drug dealers. You know, uh, when you do that from a bro broadcaster's perspective, is there anyone out there that's, there? yes, a drug dealer has no soul and will kill an 18-year-old girl that's nine months pregnant. So it's not baffling to us. The popo, it's not baffling. We've seen this before, you know. We've seen double murders, triple murders. And because they have no soul, they could stick a gun up against someone's head and just pull the trigger. So when broadcasters or brilliant men like Joseph Scott Morgan ask that question, he hasn't been there, maybe. He hasn't been out on the street to see the devastation of this type of thing. And yeah, other drug dealers will do that without batting an eye. Billy, it's the life they signed up for. It's the life they live. It's a life they will not leave. And they know it. And that's and they know you you make a pact with the devil. And nobody goes, you know, nobody leaves that life uh, by retirement at age 65. Nope, not at all. Absolutely not. So some of the things, and, and again, I know there's impatience in the community as to when is it going to be an arrest? When are they going to make an arrest with this? Be patient. There's going to be an arrest on this. Would you rather they make an early arrest and the person or persons involved beat the case? Or would you rather they cross their T's and dot their I's and make sure they have a strong enough case to put the savages that did this away for the rest of their life? Well, I think that uh, it's more important to have a good case than to have expediency. And we get that expediency nonsense mostly from the press. They're always the ones, well, is there there's no arrest yet. It just happened a few hours ago. What, what are you talking You know. It's like they want, it's like a child wants immediate, immediate gratification. And when it doesn't come, they start making stuff up. Is this now a cold case? <laughs> you know, how many times did we hear that? We heard that in the Koberger case. They were horrified that there was no arrest for six weeks. Oh, my God. This is, is this now a cold case? No, it's not a cold case. That's not uncommon in a homicide investigation that it takes six weeks or eight weeks or three months or six months, or a year, you know? And it's not its not anything like what you're talking about, that uh, it's a cold case because you've you have determined that it's its a cold case. No, it's not. Mike? Yeah, Billy, we, uh, we're set, we're a nation. We're very impatient. As a nation, we're very impatient. We watch these TV shows, you know, <laughs> the shows, God bless you, the law and order shows, and it's all wrapped up uh, within an hour. Um, no, no. If, you know, because cell phone and te te technological stuff is so important nowadays to help solve crimes, those things take sometimes a month to two months just to get that sort of data. And uh, we've, we've even talked about this before, you know, the cases, um, getting information uh, for, you know, do, uh, checking out blood work to see if somebody had some sort of substances uh, some, uh, from the medical examiner's office when they do to see what's been in somebody's bloodstream. That sort of thing may take uh, four to six or eight weeks, depending on, you know, when it's done. Um, you know, a month from now, if we're still here without an arrest, I wouldn't uh, panic, you know, and I, I'd hope that the people who are listening, uh, the viewers of the show would realize it, it, you may not hear of an arrest made uh, for two months or maybe even three months. It might be springtime before they make an arrest. And that doesn't mean that it's on the back burner. It means that they're working hard, but they want to dot every I, cross every T. 100%. Donna Giampa, 
Looks like second person in the truck tosses the white item the big guy grabs. The call looks like a girl. She couldn't have done this alone, killing them both. Do you believe there is a, there is four people at least? I think there's at least two people, and I think many, many people know all about this and know who did this. I believe the whole neighborhood knows who did this. But guess what? We spoke about this yesterday. Snitches get stitches, and they're not giving it up. No one's willing to come forward as a witness. But the way the police receive information is the way I, I spoke about it before. Well, what what are you hearing? You know, what's the hearsay? What's the word on the street? That was the favorite term we used to use. What's the word on the street? What are they saying on the street? Well, they're saying this, they're saying that, and you get the whole story. And lo and behold, it turns out to be true. And and it's the word on the street. And that was absolutely uh, a famous expression from, from my days. Deborah Mellinger, Brooklyn, we may know. We may know not much, but it sounds as though we agree on the instantaneous part. Well, look, there could be multiple scenarios uh, to this situation. You know, um, Carol Johansson, blood spatter can tell a lot, type of weapon distance from victim who first victim of order was personal alive but still being attacked. It's amazing science. God bless the police. Carol, thank you. You're right. You're 100% right. Blood spatter, and I'm, I'm glad you used the correct term. P-A-T-T-E-R, not splatter, like a lot of people like to say. Um, Ivy, I would think Savannah's family would most definitely request to meet their grandson, Fabio. And even in death, I hope they get to get uh, at least hold him, poor baby. I don't know if that's a possibility. I don't know. That's sort of a a big thing to ask. I don't know if they would allow that. Um, Lily Nin. It was said that the gun and cell phone was missing. What about the car keys? Was the car locked? I don't have any of those details. Some of the information the police were obviously keeping very close to the vest. They're not releasing it. However, uh, when they get the warrants back from the cell phones, that'll give them, the police, and not necessarily us, but the police, a great deal of information, a tremendous amount of information as to what occurred during, during this case. and. That's why they have to methodically go over everything. They can't just, you know, uh, be impatient. They got to absolutely after grieve. Two families came together for vigil last night for Matthew Guerra. The man was found murdered along with his pregnant girlfriend, Savannah Soto, just last week. As police now are searching for two persons of interest in the capital murder case. Ken's Five's Meg Arena has more on how those families are doing as they have to wait now for justice. Never in a million years did I think this would happen. Something so tragic would happen, especially to our grandson. And never in a million years, we, we thought we were going to be growing as a family in 2024. Instead, Matthew Guedes' family is having to hold onto memories and lean on each other. Uh, we miss him every day. I talk to him every morning. Matthew's father, Gabriel Guedes, says his son was energetic, loving, and working on himself. He believed by becoming a father, Matthew would change for the better. In my heart of hearts, I know Matthew had nothing to do with this. And um, him and Savannah and Fabian are together right now. And... Um, they're waiting for justice as well. Friends and family, including Savannah Soto's mother, helped honor Matthew at Woodlawn Park. <laughs> Balloons were released to the sky, and when the sun went down, candles were lit. Even when he was sad, he still put on a smile. 
that's one thing about Matthew. He was always smiling no matter what. Matthew's biological mother, Karen Hernandez, says she's trying to stay strong. I'm just praying to God. That's all I can do is pray. Meanwhile, police have yet to find these two persons of interest caught on video nearby where Matthew and Savannah were found dead. But Matthew's father says he's confident police will catch them. God says vengeance is his, and um, with all my heart, I believe that uh, eventually the person responsible for this heinous crime will be caught and brought to justice. Megan Reyna, Kinspot. So, you know, uh, folks, I don't want to come across as callous and not caring, because I do care, and I, I do care. And this, regardless of who was involved in this and what their criminal backgrounds were and what they were doing, it's a horrific crime. It's a triple murder, horrible, you know, and you can't make light of that. But on the same hand, we, we have to acknowledge what was going on, what, what venue, what avenue, what business they were playing in. And it's a dangerous business. The drug trade is unfor unforgiving, you know, and most people involved in the drug trade don't live past the age of 25. Mike. Yeah, Billy, it's, uh, you like I say, go back to the NYPD days in the Bronx and, you know, you're getting uh, young men uh, shot at all hours of the day and night, you know, daylight, midnight, three o'clock in the morning. Uh, the drug trade is a 24 hour, seven day a week, you know, uh, no holds barred um, business. And it's vicious because it's all about the cash. And if, um, you know, there's any rumors that the police can pick up about who, Matthew may have, um, you know, whose toes Matthew may have stepped on, what he may have done wrong, uh, you know, some sort of control over a particular area, you know, whatever the rumors are, um, as you said, Billy, there's a lot, a number of people who know what happened, why it happened, and the rumors are rampant out in the street. And sooner or later, they're going to come up with a name and they're going to be able to use that and develop evidence because, um, you know, that's, that's what's going to, you hope you can, you can uh, close the case out fingers crossed. But um, in these kinds of cases, I think they're usually not sometimes I'd see in the Bronx or Manhattan, but because there was a lady involved and because of there was a baby involved, an innocent little child, I'm hoping that people do come forward and say, you know what? I, I got some information, you know, something, just something, you never know. It'll happen. Folks, if you're looking for a great attorney in the New York metropolitan area, then Joe Murray is your man. Joe's a retired NYPD police officer and a fantastic defense attorney. You can reach Joe on his cell at 718-514-3855. Email him at joe at jmurray-law.com. Or go on his website, jmurray-law.com. Not only is Joe a fabulous defense attorney, but a huge supporter of the Police Off the Cuff podcast. There's a picture of Joe saying, what do you want from me? Uh, in that little picture there. So what about it, you know? And he, he's, he's actually a great guy. So, yeah, this is a horrible tragedy, and we don't mean to come across as unfeeling coppers. You know, we do feel. Uh, Jacqueline Johnston manifested. When I lived in Arlington, Texas, there were shots every day heard around me. Arrest monthly. It's a big drug hub. Yeah. Thank you, Jacqueline. Yeah, I mean, it's not just... Texas, it's it's the whole world. It's the whole. Uh, Carol Johansson, true that the drug trade is deadly. 
I just think there's a time for grieving and a time for convicting, a time for judgment. The Lord said, vengeance is mine. And it is just very sad. Wow. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, Kim Alliston, you are my sunshine, in my opinion. God used the police to obtain justice. The police are God's servants. God will never be mocked. Kim, <laughs> Kim thank you. <coughs> I'm sorry, guys. I have this uh, ongoing sinus infection right now, and it's making me cough. So it's really not a sneeze. It's a... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Brooklyn Pezzola, I love that title. They paid a dear price, right? At Howdy, we actually know very little about the parents. Let's skip the online narratives and conjecture. That's our job. That is our job to uh, give you these narratives because we have experience doing this. So um, we're not judging. We're just telling you what most likely happened here. Uh, We've seen it before. We've yeah. seen it multiple times, dozens and dozens of times. In the NYPD. Yeah. Peter Pranzo, Lieutenant Pete, in the drug entrenched precincts, most of murders are drug related. 100%, Lieutenant Pete, and you would know that being a um, a lieutenant in the 3 2 precinct, one of the busiest precincts in New York City back in the day when you were, when you were on the job. Absolutely. Uh, Yaya Kelly, I love that name. I wish all of our law enforcement officers were as top shelf as NYPD. The best in the world, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I love your name, by the way. That's a great name. Uh, I'm just reading some of the chat. Um, Brooklyn Pisola. Okay, I, I already read you. I'm going to give you another chance. Yes, thank you for hosting and providing space for us. This is difficult to fathom alone. It always helps to talk to like-minded people. Well, thank you, Brooklyn Pisola. And Schmitty, I feel they have an arrest very soon. Definitely look into Savannah's brother's situation, 100% look into Savannah's uh, brother's situation. I think maybe even the answer to this case is in that case folder, you know, absolutely. Uh, Mountain Girl, 1212, May, uh, thank God for the video of the cause. Every little bit helps. You're right. Every little bit, every investigative resource. Olga Cato, we need to come back to law and order in this country. Also, we need to bring God back into our country in my opinion. A lot of people think that way. You're absolutely correct. Uh, people think they need to bring God back into the country, for sure. Uh, I Oh, I gave you a lot of play, Carol Johansson. Guys, I did come in late, don't know who was killed. It sounds horrific and like a baby was lost. Absolute, well, a pregnant woman, nine months pregnant, was shot during this. So uh, it is a horrific situation. Um, I'm going to play a little bit more of this and then uh, this gives us a great idea of what's going on there. And hopefully there'll be new information as we continue to cover this case. He was here right now to give him a big hug. Because <laughs> I miss him. <laughs> I wish this didn't happen. Tears of pure torment is Matthew Guerra's brothers remember the excitement they say Matthew felt to become a father for the first time. Matthew's father, Gabriel Guerra, and his wife Raquel admit this is not the way they expected to be spending New Year's Day. Never, not in a million years. Not in a million years. I possibly thought that I'd be babysitting Fabian for New Year's or something. Like I, me and Savannah talked about so many things we had planned for Fabian. The San Antonio Police Department releasing surveillance video last week that detectives say showed two persons of interest that could know what led up to the young family's final moments. 
hearts. Like I said, there's cameras everywhere, and and, and my heart of hearts. Hopefully, it's just a matter of time before um, something is uh, found. Gabriel says investigators told him there is still a lot of evidence to comb through. He says he remains hopeful and confident police will find the person or people responsible. He has uh, a, a bunch of uh, videos that he has to go through and it's going to take a while to go through all the evidence and they're waiting for the warrants to come back to the phones to see what other information that could lead from them. Matthew's brothers say they don't understand why no arrests have been made with the tips people have been calling in. The videos are popping out and they're, they're just not doing enough with this investigation by trying to find out who did this. They have all these videos, but they still have no leads. San Antonio Police is asking for anyone with any information to come forward. You can find that surveillance video on our website, news4sanantonio.com. Reporting from the San Antonio Police Headquarters, Stephanie S. So, listen, to answer some of those naysayers, the police know what the time it is, and they're on this, believe me. It's not as simple. It, there's probably hundreds of hours of video. There's audio. There's, there's cell phones to go through. There's people to interview, hundreds of people to interview, getting the story together. So they're not sitting on their hands, trust me. They're putting this together, and, and as I said, they're not going – to, to make an arrest till they're ready. And they may know who the shooter is or have a good idea. But knowing, someone having someone tell you and someone being a witness are two different things. So they don't want to arrest someone and have the guy walk out the door the same night. They want to make sure they have a solid case. Mike, your final words. Final words. Uh, just everybody keep their fingers crossed because that video of the truck, that pickup truck meeting, the Kia is really huge because if you just get the driver, the registered owner, of that pickup truck um, th uh, because that's fantastic because, you know, you can get that much easier than anything else. And both of those people involved, the person who was driving that Kia, the person who's driving that truck, they're both facing capital murder charges and uh, you could leverage one against the other. The person driving that tr pickup truck, even if they're not the shooter and say the other shooter, the shooter's actually in the Kia, they're both equally liable. So, um, They've got some information they could use with that truck. They've got leverage to use uh, to uh, to get some more information about the shooter. Uh, keep keep uh, keep calm. Be patient, and um, you know, just sit back and know that all this information that the police have to gather, Billy, as you said, we've said it before. This takes weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And so, but from my point of view, I think from your point of view, we're pretty darn confident that they're going to solve this case. It might take a couple of months, but they'll solve this case. 100%. You know, folks, I'm seeing a lot of new names in the chat that I haven't seen before. So subscribe, hit the thumbs up, ring the bell and share us with your friends, your family, everyone around you. We're going to stay with this case and we know that there's going to be an arrest in this case shortly. Thank you so much. I'm Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. Have a great day, everyone. Good night. One episode, just ain't enough.